Welcome to the Content and Media Matters podcast, a series of interviews with key leaders throughout the industry, all brought to you by the Content and Media team at Nuco, a specialist global recruitment and executive search firm. Welcome to the Content and Media Matters podcast. Your hosts today are me, Tegan Villaney, Managing Consultant, and Henry Johnson, Senior Consultant. And we are delighted today to be joined by Taylor Reese, Vice President of Strategic Sales for Signiant. Taylor started his career in 2007 as a regional account manager for Cognitive Communications, where he was there for over four years, moving into a global role before he then moved to Edgecast, where he was working out of Santa Monica in a commercial position until he subsequently moved to Verizon Digital Media Services. At Verizon, Taylor managed sales for EMEA and APAC and worked his way up to VP of sales for EMEA and India. Taylor then went on to become CRO for Skylark or Osmodden until he took on the challenge of becoming VP of strategic shows for EMEA at Signium, where he is now. Welcome to the show, Taylor. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's my uh, first time appearing on a podcast, well, knowingly appearing on a podcast. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty excited. Wonderful. Well, to get us started, we always love to ask people the same thing. How did you first get into this wonderful industry? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. So that's a really good question. So I think what, what happened for me it really, it really started in earnest when I was at Verizon. And so we had cobbled together, you know, a host of, of different technologies and products um, that could do lots of things for lots of people, which, which was great. I think the bit, though, that really interested me was the media aspect of things. And so I, I sort of naturally gravitated that way as I began, began to progress throughout my career focusing more on selling to media, selling media products, et cetera. Um, and that, you know, that experience at Verizon was really helpful in, you know, learning on the job, getting thrust into some opportunities with, with major media players uh, and have just continued down that path. So, yeah, it was definitely during my time in, in Verizon. So probably about 10 years ago is when it really uh, kicked off for me. Wonderful, wonderful. Henry, I'm going to pass over to you to, to dig in a little bit more to, to the past. Thank you for sharing, Taylor. And it's always fascinating because every guest has the completely different answer and it never seems too straightforward um, as well. <laughs> I'm, just glad, I'm just glad she didn't ask, uh, you know, how did you get started, you know, working, having a job? Because I honestly had no clue. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I left uni and I, I told a buddy, hey, I needed a job. And he, uh, he, he had me sit and come watch him make cold calls one day. And he's like, so do you want to do this? I was like, not particularly. Yeah. <laughs> do you think you can do this? I was like, yeah, I can do that. And that's how I'll I give it a go. started uh, and ended up in, in sales. But um, the media one is, is far more interesting and, and near and dear to my heart. But uh, I digress slightly, so we can, well, we can get back to it, Henry. Fantastic. So digging a little bit into the past, Taylor, we all know that mentors can play a huge part in our lives. Um, so I'd be keen to know who has had an impact on your life and your career. Well, that's a great question. So a couple of folks, I've, I've been very lucky to work for uh, a, a really a, a bunch of very, very 
um, helpful people, really caring, helpful. Uh, the, the anecdote I just shared about how I got started in sales, um, that, that person, he was, I mean, he was an older buddy of mine. I, I was under or below him at school and in high school and at, at uni. Uh, he was immensely valuable and in, in just showing me how to get started, have a um, great work ethic uh, and how to approach, you know, other people, um, you know, both interpersonally and, and from a business perspective. And that, that was very useful for me to see that in action right away. Um, and then having worked uh, again for a bunch of good folks um, throughout my career, one of them I'm working for now, uh, Rick Capstraw. He was, uh, we were peers originally at, at Verizon, and then I I got the opportunity to work for him, and that was that was fantastic. We had we had just had a a boss leave that we both also really really liked. I'm I'm probably spreading too wide here, but um, I came back to work for uh, for Rick uh, at at Signet here because it was such a, a rewarding experience for me, and I think learning from him about how to be transparent and setting expectations, how to be compassionate when it comes to understanding the, the challenges of the job, you know, knowing it, having done it for such a long time. Um, and yeah, just being, uh, a, a, you know, a, a useful and somebody that can that help you progress in opportunities in, you know, your day-to-day -day life and just in, in your career in general. So yeah, I've 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 had it. I've been lucky to have uh, quite yeah. a few. Yeah. Oh, that's really lovely to hear. And I know that you've always had global roles as well. Um, so we'd be keen to understand when working in such international positions, what lessons have you learned about what it takes to become a good leader? Yeah. So um, that's a really good question. I think I'll start with some of my. Some of the areas where I failed initially. So moving over from from the states to to set up our our first out of the U.S. office, I was you know young. I didn't have a ton of experience, um, and I arrived at the U.K. fairly on my own. Uh, and I set up the office, and I kind of was like, okay, you know, great. I, I approached it, and maybe slightly the wrong way we got to it well in the end but i kind of wanted to set it up like here we'll we'll you know i'll get an office full of people that want to hang out <laughs> and yeah. uh, and in the approach that you know i i found was it's not it was a little different than maybe some of the office experience and culture i'd i'd had back in california where there was a little more time to um to you know, leisure time, I suppose you could say. Um, and so I, when we were setting that up and just watching folks come to work and, you know, approach it with a, with a, you know, get to it mentality, I thought was, was fantastic. I was, I was really impressed with the, the team that we were able to set up um, even, you know, uh, perhaps, in spite of, of some of my, my best efforts to, to, to derail that slightly. It was good to see everybody come to work uh, with, a, with a strong work ethic. And I really learned from that. Um, and then, you know, and then similarly seeing them shift and, and switch off 
when it was time to go home. It was great to see a different work-life balance than I maybe experienced um, previously. And so that that was good, and that that's more on the the micro level, just seeing that uh, in person and and how that that worked. Uh, but then learning different cultures, you know, having run teams in Japan and the the difficulty you have not in conducting business there, but when you don't necessarily give it or have the the resources to go at it in in you know in earnest and. 100% it it's a it's a challenge and that's the case for for setting up a lot of different um regions which I've I've seen throughout my career so learning you know that while uh, a different part of the globe might be new to whatever company or opportunity you're working on it's it's not for them there right it's it's important that you uh approach every you know, country, region, et cetera, um, you know, with the model or with the view that that is, you know, of the utmost importance. Uh, if you're going to do something, you want to do it right. So that's the one thing I think that I've, I've really taken to, um, I've really taken to heart having built out teams globally. Like if you're going to, if you're going to get, go into something, really focus on it. Don't just sort of uh, take a flyer and and hope for the best um, because it's uh, it's not going to work out. <laughs> no, but luckily, yeah, it. luckily I learned that one early on. So it's really fascinating to hear as well, and it's certainly one of those things where it's kind of like the longer you do it, the more experienced you get. The first time you lead a team in Japan, for example, that <laughs> is the the learning experience. Um, yeah. Well, it was really great to hear some aspects um, about your career so far. But I'm now going to hand over to Tegan um, for what the future might hold. Cool. Oh, Taylor, I know that um, we've at the time of recording, we've just uh, had MPTS in, mm -hmm. in London and it feels like trade shows are now well and truly back. And I know that during COVID, there was a lot of talk, you know, do we need trade shows? What role will they hold? Um, how important do you think moving forward trade shows are for the industry? Yeah, I, I, I mean, very is the answer. I think I might have been one of those people probably on the last day at IBC where I was bemoaning uh, trade shows and saying, we don't, need me both. Yeah, we don't need these going forward. And, you know, COVID hits and we don't need to bring them back. Um, but in reality, uh, you know, just off the back of MPTS, it was great. It was fantastic. And, you know, seeing what's going on in the industry, seeing your um, customers face to face, there is no substitute uh, for having, um, you know, a, a direct chat with somebody looping people in on the fly. That's absolutely, uh, key. And so I think it's, it, I think they're, um, here to stay and, and that's for the better, right? Uh, I, we had a great show as a company. I personally really enjoyed being there. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, to future shows. We're off to CabSat next week. So I would say not only was it back in sort of the pre-pandemic um, ways and just in terms of the amount of people that were there and, and the approach uh, different companies were taking to, to being there and sending people, uh, but, but 
it's it's necessary it's it's a, a good thing to be doing so, so yeah, yeah yeah it's funny isn't it how for all the sexy technology and the yep. new things it, it's about people it doesn't totally. matter how advanced or complex your solution or your bit of kit is it's all about people and that is the cornerstone that actually underpins absolutely everything that we do yep absolutely i could not could not agree more um yeah i must have had a hundred conversations over the the two days and it you know that was uh that was sort of everybody's feeling it it seemed like mm. and what how would you surmise the state of the content and media industry at the moment we've you know there's lots of talk about yeah. of retention and the economy is not doing well and uh we're coming out of or we're well we're out of the pandemic now but i yeah. think we're still seeing the impact of that and the industry is different as a result of it um is it all doom and gloom? What What do you think? Yeah, no. So it, it's it's not. I think so. Well, from a sales guy perspective, of course, no, it's not doom and gloom. <laughs> build those budgets back up. But no, um, that's not that's not that's not what I mean. I I think the the gist of it, and I hate to keep going back to the pandemic, but you know, necessity is the the mother of invention, and we learned a lot out of necessity during the pandemic that has been rolled back now for the for the most part except for you know budgets are starting to tighten uh and the common refrain of doing uh doing more with less uh you know continues to to pervade um but what's important now is taking all of those lessons that were learned during the pandemic new technologies that were rolled out new ways of working um hybrid models, all this stuff that was done to, to really to address something you couldn't change as much as you wanted to and saying, okay, now that we're in an ideal world, what parts of this can we pick and choose um, for MPTS, you know, all the VFX stuff and virtual production and all that stuff that's done, um, you know, or was forced to be done in, in new ways. How do we adopt best practices for this new world that we're living in even if it's not we're not our hand isn't forced to do it what's the most efficient way for us to maximize uh output based on you know a couple you know budget and time etc so right now it seems to me like all those learnings are are happening people are getting together as companies um getting together from a vendor and partnerships perspective to say Hey, look, I think, you know, we should keep 80% of what we did uh, to adjust to the, what we were doing in 2021, scrap the other bits, and we can improve on uh, whatever the case may be, like virtual production, much easier now. Let's keep going that way. So yeah. I would say, um, yeah, as much as the trade show showed me that, hey, things are normalizing or have normalized, there is still that undercurrent of, hey, let's continue to innovate like, like we have been yeah. uh, because it's, it's useful. There's, there's benefit to it. I completely agree. I, you know, we have the privilege of seeing, I guess, and it, we kind of get to see inside a lot of organizations yeah. doing the job that we do. And we definitely are not seeing 
that sort of doom and gloom. We're seeing a lot of optimism um, throughout the ecosystem, actually. And is there anything in particular that, you, that excites you about the future, be that 5, 10, 50 years in the future? What is it that you sort of think, oh, okay, this is going to a good place? Oh, great. That's a fantastic question um, in that I've never been particularly good at that uh, sort of prognostication stuff. Um, but uh, five, 10, 50 years, I'm going to, I'm going to have to take a, uh, I'm going to pass on that one. Um, but five, 10 years down the, down the line, uh, I, you know, it's the fact that we've got all of this, um, all of this technology, well, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to waffle here a little bit in that That's okay. I've seen a lot of different things happen, um, you know, industry wise where uh, there was a map, you know, splintering of different places where you could get all your content to then <laughs> a sort of now things are coming back full circle um, where, you know, there's more centralized places where you could watch what you want to watch. Um, but that's also happening, I think, on the on the technology side a little bit. Like there was a massive rush that we're going to do everything in the cloud. And then, okay, well, maybe there are other aspects of it that that we need to keep on prem or wherever. In in the hybrid models, really, you know, yeah. Um, so I think that's it's just interesting to see that you know, in five to 10 years, I, I really don't, don't know. But it's interesting to see that the industry continues to evolve in ways that we maybe wouldn't have expected. Like you might have, when the cloud originally, you know, started to, to really build momentum that everything always would forever be in the cloud. And then um, maybe that's, that's not necessarily the case. So the only, the only thing I will say is that in five to 10 years, the way the industry has evolved, I don't have a clue. <laughs> uh, Which is exciting, so, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So that is very exciting. It's great to go to work every day or, you know, go to your machine every day and say, okay, what, what are my customers doing yeah. now that we can help with? Or what can we get out in front of um, that might be a challenge for tomorrow? So, yeah. so yeah, that's, that's the interesting bit for sure. I love that. What excites you about the industry? The unknown. Yeah. I think that on, only in this industry can the unknown be as exciting uh, yeah. as it is. So that that is wonderful. Yeah. Um, Some of my colleagues might say, though, that, uh, yeah, well, to Taylor, a lot of things are unknown. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I would Just say. Just you uh, are. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. Henry, let's dive in um, a, a little bit, a little bit more to, to some of the technology we're seeing today. Though that takes us lovely into this next section, Taylor. Um, so what we're going to cover is our topic that matters, um, which mm -hmm. in this case is media supply chains. So keen to know your thoughts on why have media supply chains become more complex and what does this mean for the industry? Well, I mean, why they've become more complex is not necessarily. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question in that should they have become more complex? Right. There's a there's not a um, there's certainly not it's not the best industry at, at standardizing uh, supply chains, workflows, what have you. Uh, 
and sometimes things are made sort of unnecessarily complex for a, you know a multitude of reasons um but the i think the real reason they've become more complex is that you can do more like it's, it, there are the art of the possible is you know i think for the most part explored very well within the media industry and a lot of times that leads to complex solutions rolling out that um good intentions of course uh might not always be uh the best suited like there might slight be slightly diminishing returns depending on you know how much that complexity uh precludes you from doing other things so uh i would say yeah the fact that we do have a lot of like very very exciting technology at our fingertips um that sometimes leads to to maybe over adoption mm. um but yeah i would say the 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 fact that there is so much that you can do um it's it's sometimes hard to to not give it a try totally and i think as well with ai being on the horizon it's certainly been such a talking point off yep. the back of nab as well um how do you see ai being used when it comes to this content exchange yeah so i mean when it comes to content exchange, like AI does such a good job now, just seeing it in practice and in, in you know various systems of cataloging what your content is, um, you know, transcribing it and, and telling you where what content sits where, what you know, what the the gist of it is without having to go in and, and watch a video and so for um, you know, indexing your content and like AI is a very powerful tool. There are, of course, tons of other use cases um, where their AI will be used to to decipher or to to sort of uh, guesstimate. You know, what content will then be uh, useful for viewers in other regions or. Um, languages, etc. So I would say in terms of content exchange, uh, AI is going to be helpful for facilitating uh, inter-company, inter-partner uh, content movement. So, you know, we've got, we've got all, you know, we've indexed our entire um, back catalog and we've got this type of stuff that we think can be useful to your viewers and, and moving things that way. Um, so, so yeah, I think a lot of stuff that people might not have previously had time to explore. Um, and then that same thing probably goes for the creation of new content or almost definitely goes um, for the creation of new content in terms of using AI to, to, to produce it, but to also just to, um, to, better understand your audiences i would say it is truly fascinating as well and i think with ai you never know where it's going to get to as well which is one of the other exciting things about it um yeah. one final note on this um it seems that data analytics and metadata are certainly key talking points um yep. what role do you think this will play when it comes to media supply chain yeah i mean so a lot of the work that ai is doing is analyzing that metadata right and so um, and we're doing things constantly to make metadata capture and add to assets easier. Uh, so I would say, it, you know, it's incredibly important. Um, 
having good, uh, you know, practice or best practice for capturing and, you know, recording the metadata and making sure it gets put in the right places at the right times um, and sort of forcing that behavior uh, makes things a lot easier. It certainly makes things easier down the road, 10, 15 years uh, or how five years, who knows? Um, but it also makes things easier in the interim. It saves time. It saves um, certainly headaches. And so the more you can do on that side, the easier it is for, for knowing what you have, knowing where it is and, and knowing what you're going to do with it. Thank you for that, Taylor. That is really fascinating. And I'm sure that's something we could keep talking about um, for the rest of the podcast. Um, but I'm going to hand over now to Tegan to cover another important topic, um, and that's diversity. Cool. Yeah. Taylor, why, why are diverse organizations better organizations? Uh, so it's a multitude of perspectives, really. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm a big a big proponent of of just having multiple different voices in in the room uh you know i remember like i remember having and again maybe i'm i'm going into my uh i'm going into some of the areas where i had downfalls but i remember when i first started hiring salespeople, like having a, a thought in mind like this is mm. this is you know i've seen movies this is what a salesperson is and then <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, I, I can only be thankful for it, finding out oftentimes I was, I was wrong. And so learning from that, um, in, in the diversity aspect, really helping me to learn from that, uh, has been, has been great. And you see it, you know, I see it from, from some of the most minute stuff, like just asking people outside of sales, what their perspective is on, on you know selling into a customer, be it you know product folks or or uh, support teams, whatever the case may be, to obviously the you know the real crux of of having multiple different backgrounds and and um, ethnicities, what have you, in in a room, uh, learning from each other. Um, so I yeah I, I think it's it's valuable uh, from an organizational standpoint, it's valuable from a personal growth standpoint to be, um, to, to be attuned to that and to, to have that opportunity to learn from, from as many different places as you can. I completely agree. Uh, why would you, why would you not want that in, yeah. in your, in your lives, in your organizations? It's yeah. surely yeah. that makes everything better. That was part of the, I mean, the real blessing in, um, in coming, moving over to, to Europe from, from California is being able to get out and just, um, meet new people, experience new ways of working, working in different cultures. And so, yeah, that's been, that's been a huge boon to my, my personal development and my, uh, what I've seen from the companies I've worked for. Sure. And now you live in the UK, you get to talk about the weather all the time. Yeah, I almost by default I just start talking about it uh, to start calls now. I'm like, yeah, the weather's. Uh, oh, actually, you know what? It's not that bad today. <laughs> uh, so it's, um, yeah, I've uh, I have certainly grown Funny. accustomed to that. Yeah, we love it. We absolutely love it. And what do you think leaders can be doing in particular 
to improve diversity throughout organisations and to encourage a more diverse portfolio of candidates to apply to roles? Yeah, so that um, I'm going to take the last question first, because that can be a challenge, right? That, you know, you put yes. it out there, put it out there to the same companies and you, you put it out there in the same ways on the same forums um, and you, you're likely to get the same type of candidates, right? Uh, so I think, yeah, being looking for people in diverse ways, in new ways, I think um, getting your job recs out there and spanning as wide or casting as wide a net as possible is, is important in that um, regard. And then, you know, just I like I don't even now when I'm hiring for candidates, I have a I have an idea of sort of what I want in terms of you know technical expertise or or you know skill sets right but then after that i don't do much research <laughs> until getting them on a on a call and learning about you know their experience what I, they could bring to the the company i i i kind of like to take a sort of blind uh, approach to that cuz to the story i shared from earlier you know a, a lot of times um you know what you think you have in mind is not a, actually the the best fit or there are other aspects or other things out there that that might be more beneficial so so yeah so i i think keeping an open mind is the the number one way to do that yeah and you until you spoke with someone and explored that you, you just don't know where yeah. where that's going to lead i i love that a real openness and i think if we are open minded alongside being consciously aware that that's something that we need to improve throughout the industry uh we're in a really really good place yep absolutely yeah yeah um henry i'm gonna pass the microphone back over to you for our next section oh thank you Tegan. um so taylor we are certainly a nosy bunch i think that's fair yeah. to say um so i'd be keen to know um a little bit about you more on the personal side of things um so what would you say would be your idea of a perfect weekend oh all right let's see here um shoot i'm i'm meeting i'm meeting a buddy we're going to a brewery tonight that also does really good pizza so i'm off to a pretty good start uh uh, yeah. and that's just that's just this weekend but um oh man i'm glad we're asking this question now four years ago it would have been wildly different um not the pandemic but my my daughter was born um yeah. so I, I'm, I'm naturally going to include uh you know some a good amount of time playing with with her um one my favorite thing to do in the uk is a. Uh, is a good countryside or, or seaside walk, uh, to a pub, um, sitting in a pub beer garden when the weather is, is good, uh, which I obviously, you know, I don't have to say it, but you don't always get it, um, <laughs> is, is just the best. And so, uh, I think, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good weekend for me. Um, I'm a simple man. And then if, uh, if Arsenal are playing on, on Sunday or you know later Saturday after my pub walk, an Arsenal win. I think that would that would do it for me. 
Oh, fantastic. Thank you, Taylor. I know it doesn't always happen with Arsenal as well, but no, no. <laughs> well, separate conversation yeah. there. <laughs> no, that's, that's, uh, that's for sure. I think me, I moved over to the UK 10 years ago now. And so, um, I'm, we could have been partially to blame for some of the issues the past few years, but, but yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, have you, have you always been an Arsenal fan or did you kind of, yeah, yeah, no. them when you moved? No, I was, I actually, I moved when I first came to the, to London, I moved to Angel because I was an Arsenal fan. Um, my friend uh, from, from uni had, he was at his family when he was a kid was stationed uh, at one of the air force bases here. And, okay. and the Arsenal were very good at that time. And he became an Arsenal fan and I didn't, I knew nothing about football, the, the Premier League, what have you. And, but at uni, he's like, Hey, we're Arsenal fans. I'm like, All right, cool. Sounds good for me. <laughs> so <laughs> I got it. I got into it. And and then, uh, yeah, you can't in, in just stuck with it. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, I'm going to jump into our quick fire round now right. wow. um, with, with no clues. You're going to have to think on your feet. I'm going to dive straight in with, would you rather start work late or leave work early? Early. Messy desk or clean desk? Messy. Facebook or Twitter? Twitter. Facebook's for, yeah. I mean, actually, I should just Twitter. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Oh. Facebook's for a certain generation. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah my yeah. dad, my dad is big into Facebook. Say no more. Say no more. People or animals? Uh, people. Christmas or your birthday? Oh, Christmas by a mile. Same, same. Winning the lottery or finding your soulmates? Well. I've already found my soulmate, but I haven't won the lottery. So I got to go lottery. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, ketchup or ranch? Uh, ranch just has way more versatility is way higher. Agreed. Agreed. Emails or conversations? Conversations. Sort by price or by rating? Well, when I'm doing my expense accounts by price, um, you know, <laughs> um, just, just in case anybody from my company watches this. But no, uh, let's go rating. <laughs> um, crunchy peanut butter or smooth peanut butter? Crunchy. Always, always. Um, serious one now, robots or dinosaurs? Dinosaurs. Right. Words or actions? Oh, action. Passenger or driver? Uh... Driver, my wife doesn't even have a driver's license, so I'm a driver. So driver. Chauffeur, Um, more likely, but go ahead. (laughs) Chauffeur, fair enough. Um, Ambition or comfort? Uh, Ambition. Finally, passion or stability? Uh, Stability. Oh, interesting, interesting. I never know what I'd choose there. Yeah, no, I, for, I kind of want both. I I forget the guy's name, and I'm sure you know it'll come to me. But um, the he's got a great speech about how the worst commencement speeches that are given at, at graduation ceremonies are people coming in to tell people to follow their passion, because um, that's people that have already made their 
money <laughs> and he's got a whole I'm, I'm not gonna i don't want to paraphrase it too much but uh his it, it the logic behind it made a lot of sense to me so I'll have to look that up. I'll have yeah. to look that up. Um, Henry, I'm going to pass on to you for our, our last question and to close. Oh, thank you, Degan. Um, so, Taylor, our guest's final question will always be the same. What is one piece of advice you would give to someone entering the industry? Oh, great question. So, pick, uh, pick someone you can learn from quickly uh not learn quickly but pick just gravitate towards someone and and i've found that this is an incredibly helpful industry um in terms of the people i've interacted with just go find somebody you can pepper with questions um you know be be considerate obviously but don't be afraid to ask stupid questions and learn so that you know what you're talking about uh, sooner rather than later, I would say, yeah, find find someone that you're comfortable learning from, and and you know, just go to town. No, thank you very much for that, Taylor. And we completely agree. Um, it's been fascinating to hear all of your thoughts and insights, and a real pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please do subscribe and give us a rating. It really helps these stories to be found and enjoyed by more people. For more information about NUCO, we can be found at www.nuco-group.com. That's N-E-U-C-O-group.com.